My name is Spencer Brown. Um, I'm commonly known as the athlete special on YouTube. Um, if you haven't checked out my channel, feel free to do that. Um, but basically, my YouTube channel documents the life of a former Division One athlete. I went to Georgetown University. I'm from the U.S. And um, I pretty much just make YouTube videos showing workouts, uh, the lifestyle of a runner, some funny stuff here and there, race videos, and um, the ups and downs of running. I try to keep my channel as authentic as possible and really, uh, you know, relatable to all the other runners out there. And I feel as if, you know, it doesn't really matter what level you are in running. The sport is so similar to everyone. So that's that's sort of what I've been trying to capture over the years. And I got uh, a big, bigger following than I anticipated that I'd have. Um, so I'm kind of just rolling with this. And now I'm a post-collegiate runner um, living the dream and continuing to pursue running at a high level. So I'm sort of like a semi-professional runner. Um, haven't raced in a while, but that's obviously due to COVID. But that's sort of just the quick rundown of just who I am. So obviously, as, as you can hear there, first guest is um, Spencer Brown, also, also known as the Athlete Special. And uh, it, was, it was really cool for me when I was looking at um, – looking at potentially going over to the States for university and kind of trying to find like a, an authentic and real view of what division one life was like, you know, like a good college team sort of thing. So it's really cool to watch your YouTube videos and sort of get, get a true vision of how those programs work, how the traveling works to races, how the training is and how, you know, people differ in training and, and coaches differ, which is really cool. So I guess starting off, um, first question that we normally ask most people is kind of like what what's what's the origin story like how, how did you sort of fall into the sport and how did you uh yeah how did you start off yeah yeah for sure um so I've actually been running for a very very long time um my dad got me into running he ran at the University of Michigan he was a marathoner back in the day he at his best ran 218 he was pretty good um back in the 70s so I knew I had that, uh, the genetics, as you could say, for running. Um, and I played soccer and baseball and did cross country and track all throughout middle school. And then eventually in high school, I made that jump up my training, did running full time. And, um, you know, obviously I've been in love with the sport forever. Uh, a lot of times kids start off young and they train hard and they burn out by the time they're in high school or college. I sort of got yeah. lucky where um, I think my dad was really good about training me the right way when I was younger. Um, he really worked just speed stuff and not crushing me with distance and always made sure that I was having fun. Um, my biggest advice for anyone, literally, you have to be having fun with this sport um, if you want to run well or keep doing it. Because if you have to ask yourself, if you're not having fun, then you, you just, you're, you're literally wasting your time. But so, yeah, I, I went um, to high school, like I mentioned, ran in high school, improved a lot and was able to get a scholarship to run division one track and field and cross country at Georgetown University. And that was like really exciting for me that I, you know, kind of achieved that dream of being able to be a division one runner. And then when I got to college, um, my my sister I was actually home for winter break my sister it was my freshman year she, she was trying to hang out with me and I was like hey I can't hang out I have to do a double run this afternoon and she was like you know what Spencer your life is so boring because literally all you do is run and in between your runs you just sit around and do nothing 
why don't you just like film yourself doing it to show how boring the life of a runner is um and that was that was how i started the athlete special my youtube channel and from there i kind of just filmed um my runs my you know workouts me shooting the you know shit with my friends and all that stuff and uh for years it didn't catch on and I kind of did it casually, but over the years, more and more people started watching it and kind of following that division one story. And I guess sort of here we are today. So, so that sort of sums up my, um, you know, how I got into the sport, but I would say that probably it was my dad that really, you know, got me there. Yeah, of course. It sounds like your, your dad also knew exactly the best way for you to progress through the sport as well. Cause he didn't just throw you in the deep end from the off. I wanted to make sure, you know, you enjoy the sport and it's more like your choice that you decided to, to go and do it. Because there's, not, there's nothing worse than kind of being firstly forced into something. Because if you're being forced into something, you're not, you're not going to work as hard. You might not enjoy it as much as better. You're kind of finding that sport and then being guided, guided by the right person and sort of talking about um, your, your YouTube channel and being, being at Georgetown, one of our first questions that we had was, um, you know, for anyone who, who may not have watched the Sub 4 series, if, if you could kind of give a, a little bit of history, history on that series. Yeah, so, um, you know, after coming home uh, in March because of the COVID-19 virus, um, I had a lot of downtime where I didn't have much going on. So I decided to make a series uh it was called the sub four story it's on my youtube channel and it just documents my entire running progression in the mile from way back in the day from like third grade all the way up into uh where i am today when i broke four about a year ago and um the story really just i think shows that like as long as you're motivated uh, over a long period of time and you continuously chip away at your goals, you're going to get there eventually. And um, it's, I, I definitely think that I'm probably, I, I have a lot of um, talent. I have the genetics and that definitely helped me. And um, like, I, I would be lying to say that genetics don't play a big part in improving with running, but a lot more of it was just, uh, staying healthy over the years, um, especially those high school years and college years, and really not letting the lows get to me because the story shows if you watch it, you know, I had a lot of great moments, um, you know, when I was younger, but I had a lot of moments where I was like, I hate this. I want to quit. I suck. Um, you know, small injuries here and there. And I think it's just pretty much the story is just running in a nutshell for everyone because that's that's how it goes and as long as you are not getting too low after a bad performance or you know too high up on yourself after good ones I think that you're just going to keep going and keep making it and that's sort of just my perspective on the sport and I think that all the the best people would probably agree with what I'm saying um, I don't think I'm that good yet but I think that the best of the best they got there by just being consistent and um, never getting too low or too high. So that's sort of just, I think, what led me to where I am today. Yeah, definitely. I think running is kind of renowned for having some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. And it's quite easy to go in between those. Like, you know, one day you could win the Olympics, the next day you, you, you could be injured kind of thing and it, and it could be bad. And it's it's kind of, in some ways, it's sort of a cruel sport for that because, 
for, for a lot of people, even kind of like really high tier athletes, they're putting in so much work and, you know, a lot of people don't get the recognition that they deserve. And, um, and, and it's kind of a weird sport for that, I guess. But um, yeah, like you say, also with like genetics do play a huge part. I know that like my, my parents ran and Alfie's parents ran and it was kind of, we, we've both been kind of lucky with that in terms of like also guidance and uh and being able to like improve in the sport under under their watch and um obviously at the moment times are really weird with with the whole covid situation and we're kind of wondering like what what your plans are like moving forward and how and even how do you see like the NCAA full season going because obviously harvard and well i mean all the ivy league schools pretty much just pulled full sports completely how, how do you see that going yeah well i think that's a really good question and um i think that my mindset that i'm about to explain is what a lot more people need to do who are in this situation like the whole world is in the same situation right now um and you can look at it one way where it's like all right i got my outdoor season stripped from me i'm probably gonna get my cross country season stripped from me this is not a good time to train but you can literally look at it the exact opposite way and say, okay, this is an opportunity to get good. This is an opportunity to level up and things are going to get back to normal eventually. But, um, you know, take advantage of the time now where you don't have races every other week or every week and a schedule and traveling, you can really do some damage. And we're seeing that with the professionals. I saw, uh, the Bowerman Track Club is running ridiculous right now. Um, you know, uh, teams all across the country and the world are running some ridiculous times because they can set up perfect little meets for themselves, perfect time trials. Um, me personally, I was going to start time trialing in about mid-June. I did get Lyme disease. Um, caught it early enough, so it's not going to affect me. I took um, antibiotics, so I'm fine now. But now my new plan is to start time trialing in late July and early August. And, you know, am I going to run fast? Maybe, maybe not. But does it really matter? Like, you, you need to be putting in those hard efforts. Um, and in, in terms of my thought process with what's going to happen with cross country, um, I don't think it's cynical for me to say I think that the season's going to get completely canned, um, at, the, at least in the NCAA level. We saw the same thing happen when – the Ivy League, Harvard in particular, canceled uh, outdoor track and, uh, yeah, they, they canceled outdoor track first and then the whole country followed. So I think that the country was just waiting on the Ivies to cancel cross. And logistically, I just – I know probably more from the inside, especially um, with the school I used to go to, Georgetown. Like, I, logistically, I don't think it will work. Um, but maybe I'm wrong and I'd love to see them get creative and maybe do like team time trials where like you yeah. just have, you know, your top seven literally run uh, a race and then like another team starts 10 minutes after you and then they just take the, the team's best, you know, average time. Um, yeah. But it's not going to be in the NCAA, it's not going to be the cross country season that people you know, would love to have. And then sadly, I don't know for indoor track either. And yeah. I think that, you know, we're seeing like at least Europe's being a little bit more responsible than the U S um, in terms of COVID, but like, it's not any better right now in the U S than it was months ago. It kind of went down a little bit and then people kind of laid off the gas and 
now the case numbers are rising again. So uh, I think it's unrealistic that we're going to have a normal track schedule till the vaccine comes out, which is March. But at the same time, you just like, if you want to sit around and complain, it's like 8 billion other people on the earth are dealing with the exact same thing. So, uh, you know, don't get angry, you know, get better. And then, you know, from there, I think uh, things are going to work out. So sorry, that was a bit long winded. <laughs> no, that's perfect, man. That's perfect. That's, that's interesting because obviously like, we're, we're obviously in the UK. So to a certain degree, we haven't got, you know, a great idea of how things are shaping up over there. Obviously, we can just read articles and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I think it's going to be similar over here because the fact that currently our federations can't put enough money together to afford insurance for track races of more than like 10 people or in lanes how are you going to get like 200 guys lined up on a start line in a cross country race in November in like in October? How's that going to work? I mean, the, the, the way I'd hope that they start to look at is kind of, I mean, it, it's not ideal, but if, if they look at cycling and if they look at the way that they time trial on the road in cycling, where, you know, it is one after the other. I mean, personally, I think that's the easiest way to go around it. Obviously it's not very conventional, but it would kind of be a, a shame to have, no athletics but like but like you say it's the, the, there's bigger problems out there and, it, and it's a good time to just get better like for myself I, I just took three three weeks off because it's like well there's no races might as well just let the body the body get back to square one be healthy and, and and then start moving up from here because you know might not be racing until October or November if even that so it's kind of it, it's, it's a good time for people to be smart because there's no point necessarily risking injury but by the same token if you get injured it's the best time to get injured even though i would not advocate anyone to get injured but if you're going to do it do it when there's no races kind of thing um so yeah it's obviously a, a really weird situation for everyone yeah totally agree it's and to go off that yeah like i'm not advocating that everyone needs to go out and pound away right now like if your body needs a break this is the time to give it a break if you feel like you've got something lingering you know perfect time to just rehab 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 um but if you're feeling good and you you're motivated this there's also not a better time to get after it a little bit and kind of be smart but yeah yeah definitely it's cool to see like loads of college guys sort of getting out to altitude together as well at the moment like obviously you know Everett and cooper and all those kind of guys are out around near you and they're you know they're grinding again it's kind of so jealous of that because like we're we're still we don't really have anywhere in the uk where we can just like go and meet up with everyone and train kind of thing and it would be it's so cool that they can just go out to boulder and just you know get get the grind done out there yeah oh my god i i i've been in boulder for three weeks now and i am in love with it i had never been out west in the u.s before um for a period of time and it's incredible out here the community is great um I have yet to meet someone that I don't like. Um, I don't know if people, what they think about me, but I love it out here. I've, I've claimed myself as the king of Boulder just to try to, you know, yeah, get, get a rise out of people. But <laughs> <laughs> obviously there's a lot of much better runners than me out in Boulder, but I, I don't mind calling myself the king of Boulder, but that's, that's a, a whole nother thing. But yeah, it is, it's an awesome community. You, you just go out and, dirt roads everywhere um people are always down to run um you know we're, and we're being we're being obviously you know safe with it you we're, we're not in groups 
in Boulder, it's specifically groups of 25 or over. You can't have, um, and we're, we're only really going on runs with people outside, not really hanging out with people too much inside um, just for COVID sake. But uh, no, it's, it's incredible out here. It's, it's literally like a, a running camp or summer camp for runners out here. It's, it's the mecca of running, truly. And obviously yeah, really you've is. got sort of like Tin Men guys out there and stuff like that. And I'm guessing there's quite a few other pro teams out there as well. And like, obviously in the last two years, especially you've sort of been like, obviously getting down to sub four mile and everything like that. I was wondering if it's like, you've ever sort of been starstruck by either training or running with someone where it's sort of like overwhelmed you to an extent. So obviously if I'm at the Tin Man guys, I'm pretty sure this applies to 99% of the people in the world in running. If they met those Tin Men guys, they'd be absolutely, they wouldn't know what to say and things like that. And I was just wondering, obviously, with having a YouTube channel and Big Yourself, have you had a point where you've sort of stepped back and have just been completely starstruck by someone you've raced against or trained with? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, you know, it's it's always cool when you, you run into to athletes out here. Um, I personally didn't, but my one of my housemates he was walking around on in downtown Boulder. We live right a block over from uh, the downtown shopping district. And um, this very good biker from back in the day named Tyler Hamilton. I'm not sure if you know him. He just like walked right by him. And that was like, he was like, whoa, like that's a celebrity in like the, you know, ath like our, ath like the biking running world, which was really cool. And then, you know, of course, seeing the Tin Man guys, I've, you know, I've known, um, I've known these guys for a while, so I'm not necessarily starstruck when I see Drew Hunter just because, you know, I, I low-key was racing him in high school, and he was always kind of that, like, next American hero for running that we always, you know, cheered on and looked up to. And then um, in terms of, like, other Tin Man guys, yeah, Sam Parsons, um, another guy. He's He was friends with a lot of my teammates in college. So I've, I've always been a lot uh, kind of – intertwined with these guys more than you'd think um but like it, you know whenever you see centro at a meet you're kind of like all right this is kind of cool you know so th it never goes away even with i guess having a youtube channel and stuff it's you, you can always kind of nerd out to these good runners here and there yeah it's always always weird seeing like a a big name close because you don't really Obviously, you don't really get a chance to see people kind of like face to face a lot. And I remember, like at, at European Cross, like Jakob hadn't entered the call room yet. Everyone was sat there, pretty much waiting for the dude to arrive. Like we were just about to get like, out into the pens and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, oh man, maybe maybe he's pulled out. Maybe he's not coming. And then <laughs> suddenly, you know, everyone's head just like spins, looks round, and the dude just like walks in. Like well, like a god, pretty much, and everyone's you know everyone's scared. Every, no one really knows how to react. The dude, dude's Jakob Ingebrigtsen, and it's like it was a, seeing him in the flesh was like it's pretty pretty odd. Yeah, that that is really cool. I and, and you know I guess I'm I'm downplaying it a little bit, but like I was at the track yesterday um, with you know my crew, the entire Tin Man team was there, and then. Um, you know, there was a bunch of other good guys. There was like four NCAA champions walking around on the track. You know, Oliver Hoare was there. Um, 
Jordy Beamish, guys who are literal national champs, Carlos Villarreal, great runner from uh, Arizona, guys like that. They're, you know, and you're all at the same track. Dathan Ritzenheim is their coach, and, and it's just like, wow, this is like, you know, all of a sudden you're looking around and it's like there's so many good guys around me. It's crazy. It feels it, – it does feel cool. I would love to see Jakob Engelbritson, though. That's, that's something on my bucket list. Yeah, it's a weird, I kind of weirdly expected him to be a little bit taller. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but like he kind of came in and he, like he's a little bit taller than me, but I mean, still pretty frightening. He had this cute little hat on, bless him. He actually didn't look that intimidating until the speed suit came out, and then the speed <laughs> suit came out, and we were like, "Damn, that's 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 like that's like Frozen." Yeah, the Incredibles, man. It's like, where's my super suit? And yeah, the guy was. <laughs> Yeah, he like lined up along the start line every time. Obviously, the cameras on him and stuff because no, no one else really had known apart from him at the time. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the last podcast, but we kind of added in a little bit of a like a shoe corner sort of thing, and uh, and obviously with you know banging out the miles that you are at the moment and doing the workouts you do, we're kind of intrigued to see like like what you're wearing, what shoes you're excited to come out, or, or all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so, uh, I, I'm pretty easy going with shoes. I gotta say I've, I've as much as like, as I am into the sport, I've, I've, I'm not like crazy obsessed with all the new shoes and stuff. Um, I do have a pair of next percents. Um, they kind of messed up my calves a little bit though. I wore them too many times in, in workouts. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I will say they were incredible. I did a four mile tempo in them and I was like, this is cheating. This is ridiculous. Um, I'm not even going to get into that. I don't really, I don't really, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I, that's not a conversation for me, but like, I, I like those shoes a lot, but they definitely made my calves really tight. So I don't wear them anymore. Um, and then for trainers, I just need like, I could put on any type of shoe. I could put on a Nike, a Brooks and, and Adidas, uh, as long as it's a stability shoe. Um, I'm wearing, uh, I think the Brooks adrenaline right now. And then I switch to the Nike structures here and there. And then, uh, spikes. I don't, I don't think I need any specific uh, spike as long as it gets the job done. Although I think those new yeah, Nike spikes are ridiculous, aren't they? You will need some <laughs> soon to be able to keep up with everyone. Cause that's obviously in those spikes so far, we've seen Brazily drop a 335. We've seen Shelby Julian smash the American record. We've seen so much crazy stuff going on and they've all been wearing these uh, dragonflies and stuff like that. So maybe you will need them quite soon because some, some people in the uh, NCA had them last year, didn't they? Did, uh, did... Yes. Yes. I for sure raised at least a few kids. and I talked to them to confirm it, that they had those shoes on. And I know um, one of my former teammates who's now a professional runner, um, for he's he's for german athletics um amos bartelsmeyer he has those shoes as well and he definitely praises them for sure and quickly with donovan brazier i'm gonna go on the record saying that if he wanted to he could win the olympics in the 1500 yeah he's the yeah. he's the best runner i've ever seen in my life he's I, I yeah you can't he could win the olympics in the 15 if you can close in 52 alone that was ridiculous it, yeah. that was ridiculous frightening frightening to watch like and i don't think people get just, it like he closed in 24 i shouldn't even say 52 he closed in 24 or maybe 25 but still like you don't you don't do that 
He went for 12. He just like flicked the switch. The other guys were flying as well, and he made them look so slow. Like, it was so weird to watch. Have you seen yeah. his mileage? Have you seen how many miles he does? It's like in the Dying 30s, down, apparently. 30 something. I, I mean, another thing, like, like I was saying earlier, how I've kind of a bit intertwined. Um, about five years ago, I was at a, a high school meet with Donovan. And, you know, he's just this very humble, not a big, you know, loud personality guy. Um, I don't think he would remember me, but I shook out with him the day before the race and he was talking to me and he was like, yeah, man, like excited for the race tomorrow. And we were talking about mileage. I think I was doing like 40 in high school and he was like, yeah, I do like 10 to 15. And I was like, all right, you're the, you're a super talent. You're a freak. Like he and I and and you have to believe it. He's just he's like no one we've ever seen. So yeah, scary. Like I think some people do thrive off low mileage. And we've got a guy called Ben Patterson in the UK who uh he just got silver at European juniors. He's run like one forty six mid or low as as an eighteen year old. Guy's doing like like fifteen miles a week. I think he's maxed <laughs> out at like twenty and I mean, I love I love the kid. It's just so painful to see that, like when you're trying to run five k's and you've just got to be like busting yeah. the mileage just to just to be nearly as strong as everyone else. Like it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, no, but you know, I think it's a good lesson that like you can't you you know you never want to be the person obsessing over chasing those numbers with mileage because I I'm not a big mileage person. I do and track season 50 to 60 ish. And even in the forties sometimes, and I, I run probably my best at that, or I had in college, I'm probably going to bump it up a bit more as I, you know, continue to run now, but like not everyone needs to be a 90 mile week guy to make it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's so, so individualized and like yeah. just everyone needs something different. Some guys need to lift. Some guys never need to touch a weight room. You know, some guys need to cross train or, I don't know, run five, 10 miles a week. <laughs> sort of pick up where we left off. Of, um, we've got some fan, some fan questions. Obviously, we put out on our uh, Instagram, like, asking people to ask some questions. So we're going to sort of, like, not, so, not quick fire, so to speak, but just sort of, like, reel some off, sort of, Joe, just some standard questions and then just, like, some standard answers kind of thing. Some of the first questions are sort of just standard, which is favorite music. I really like this band called 21 Pilots. I use them in a lot of my old yep. videos. Um, I've been a 21 Pilots fan for years. And then just, I guess, like, I'll listen to, like, the newest pop that's out. So nothing crazy. What's your favorite 21 Pilots song? Because I, I love 21 Pilots as well. It's got to be from Vessel, I would say, because I think that was their best album. Uh, I really like Holding On To You. That's a very good song. Um in their newer stuff, I like Chlorine a lot, but I know that the big ones that probably anyone who's listening to this would know are like Stressed Out um, or Ride, but those are very good songs as well. Maybe even Screen from Vessel. There's some like really bangers from that um, semi-automatic. I don't know. I could, I could list a billion, of course. So um, next question is favorite films? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I all sound like a nerd. I 
very big Lord of the Rings fan from that, you know, when I was younger, that's like, you know, I think a great movie trilogy. Um, they're, they're very, you know, you can watch them a billion times. Um, I really like this movie called Mad Max Fury Road. Saw it a couple of years ago and like, it's a weird movie, but I low-key think it's a banger. Um, is that and the, yeah, Tom Hardy? Those, yes, Tom Hardy. It's a weird movie, but I low-key think it's amazing. Oh, and okay, I just saw Interstellar the other day, and I thought that that was amazing. It's, it's a crazy film to keep up with, though, isn't it? It's a bit of a wild ride. Yeah, I, I definitely kind of needed to, like, have my friends explain every two things to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. And in terms of uh, Lord of the Rings, how did you feel about The Hobbit afterwards? Were you a fan of those films, or...? Uh, I mean they were a fun watch but i feel like it was a massive letdown in my opinion in terms of like i don't know i don't like the cgi stuff i felt like it, it actually looked worse than the lord of the rings stuff um yeah. and like i didn't even know that the hobbit was going to be a trilogy so i came in and i was really pissed after i watched the first one i was like wait what there's going to be two more but they were good movies but nothing like the originals in terms of like how good they were Considering the size of the books, The Hobbit having three films made no sense whatsoever. No, 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 not at all. They could, they could have bashed those out real quick. Yeah, they just, you know, Hollywood has to kind of grind out that money. Money, money, money. <laughs> right, so next one is pre-race food, favorite pre-race food. Okay, that's good. Uh, I mean, I'll have a double shot of espresso 15 minutes before I warm up and... I have no problem eating a Subway sandwich um, or any type of, you know, Jersey Mike Subway uh, 7-Eleven sandwich, like maybe three or four hours out, like a turkey sandwich. I've got a pretty good stomach. And, and you know, this is important. Like so many people like get really nervous and like freak out and don't eat enough before they race a lot. I, I, have, I have a lot of teammates who do that. Um, you kind of just have to chill out and almost treat a race like a workout. You know, you, you can, unless you're like one of those type of person that can't eat anything, then you should definitely try to eat something big before you race. I, yeah, I think it helps quite a lot. Obviously, races in the evening sort of, you sort of feel so much better if you've had like a full day of eating before the race. Obviously, if you can handle it. That is. Yeah, of course. So, obviously, leading on from this is post-race food. What's your favorite post-race McDonald's for sure. Um, maybe Popeye's chicken sandwich has been unbelievable lately. Um, when we were in California, after I had a pretty good meet last year, we got um, In-N-Out Burger. I mean, look, I, I'm a fast food guy at the end of the day. I love fast food. I don't care if it's bad for my running. I will eat it after a race. But if I can't have that, then pizza, I don't know. It's it's so sad seeing all these like in and outs and uh, I'm trying to think of another one, just like all the American fast food chains because we literally have McDonald's, KFC, and that's pretty much it. Really, it's just, it's, <laughs> there's not much variety here, and obviously, and it's not as good either, like at all. It's, it's really of, it's really bad. For yeah, you, that's like, what you need to know. That's the best thing. Like before and after a race, though, like I'm kind of the same way. Like I think my stomach can pretty much hold up with anything. I think. Like I'll have like a full English, really like greasy breakfast before a cross country race, like no problems at all, kind of thing. And it just really like I feel like I just get energy from that because 
low-key kind of feel full going into a race but yeah I think I think worrying about food too much can be quite a big negative in running because at the end of the day like you're grinding day in day out you kind of have to treat yourself yeah and it's also great because before a race like probably the last thing you'd want is a McDonald's Big Mac but then as soon as you're done you're like oh my god I'm so, I would love that <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what what's your like standard order at McDonald's are you a chicken nuggets guy or are you like a yeah guy? 10 piece 10 piece McNugget and a quarter pounder with uh coke on the side for sure and then the meal so fries yeah yeah standard yeah that's so great and next question uh is the best form of recovery obviously being the altitude as well it's quite a big thing i'm guessing what is the best form of recovery um number one drink water literally all day if you're at altitude um i've uh, i've really adjusted amazing to altitude because we've just been chugging water it's so much drier here and so much you know higher so it's your body just like evaporates water it doesn't sweat um so literally what i'm doing right now water and lay down and relax and eat protein after you work out and over like you we were just talking about this with our with a couple of my friends um you have to make sure you you eat enough um so many people struggle with running because they they it's not not necessarily that they have an eating disorder but they uh they're constantly under fueling before and after and you can be good for a couple of weeks but then your body literally starts eating itself and you're, you're you get weaker like your muscles start getting eaten by your by yourself because your body needs food and you don't even notice i've had times where i'm just too skinny so i you know would recommend that people probably get ice cream a couple times a week uh not i wouldn't say that actually but you kind of get what i'm saying like definitely don't you know food's important but like you, you can't be crazy about it yeah you gotta you gotta watch out for your own your own health and it's not necessarily just like eating healthy all the time that's gonna that's gonna make it that i know that like when i was like from november to december of like 2019 i just started this job where like i was working like 40 45 hours a week probably wasn't eating well enough through the day trying to train as well and i just became like so deficient on like so many levels just i was just sleeping all the time couldn't really train couldn't really race and it was kind of like looking back at that now it's sort of scary how how being you know not having the right not necessarily the right diet but just not eating what your body needs for you when you're training and when you're kind of hammering yourself day in day out yeah and then going off that I think the final thing that you touched upon is just sleep like not just get good sleep every night go to sleep at the same time if you go to sleep at 10 every night and wake up at 7 or 11, wake up at 8, you know, get eight, get eight hours at least of sleep. Um, but, like, if you go to bed at the same time every day, there's science, science will tell you that it's good for your body. Um, I think that you create more HGH, which is, like, human health uh, hormones, human growth hormones. Um, I think maybe I sound dumb right now, but – I know for a fact that going to bed and putting yourself on a good schedule of the same time every day and waking up at the same time is so good for your body. Yeah. Yeah. I think sleep's pretty, 
it's not like under eggs. I think everyone like knows that you know how important that for the reasons why it's so important. I feel like a lot of people won't won't actually get it because again in that time as well like I'd be working until like maybe seven or eight get home at like half eight go and train at like nine half nine I was doing some stupidly late sessions I'm doing the same thing tonight in fairness but I'm not doing it as often so it's different (laughs) so I'm still I'm I'm still doing what I'm preaching um but like and, but then you've got lack dick in your legs when you're trying to sleep and by that time it's like 11 and you've got to be up at you know seven the next morning it's like having a solid routine in running is just like the best thing and once you've got like that that schedule figured out you're sort of set and that that's why at the moment it's, it's great for most people because you know they haven't got that much on a lot of people are kind of furloughed from work they've, they've got the time to structure their day right um which is which is one of you know one of the only real positive sort of at, at the moment with with the whole covid sitch yeah yeah no that that is all true i think and as well then, sorry i was no, i was just gonna, i was just gonna ask as well another question we got asked was like how are you sort of structuring your day at the minute like obviously with the set times how are you obviously yeah just optimizing yeah, so, your day oh, that's, yeah so um i guess the only other component that i have that other runners don't is filming stuff so i get up we our house tries to get up at 7 to seven thirty every day get some coffee in our bodies and then run at eight and then usually we'll have someone film stuff and then from there i'll try to figure out what i'm doing for the rest of the day um it's a pretty nice life right now i gotta say i i, I know i'm very privileged with what i've got going on um and then just like you know meet up with people have fun climb a mountain, go to the water, go on a bike ride. Um, but then go to, but the main point is that we go to bed at 10. Like it sounds early. It sounds lame, but like that's sort of, you know, your body starts to wind down and it's easy to fall asleep at 10. And then, you know, you wake up the next day at seven feeling great. Um, and like, I haven't done this for that long. Um, I used to have a very crappy sleeping schedule. And I've already noticed big gains in the last you know, month of waking up early and, and going to bed early and just, you know, doing the same type of stuff every day. And then like, you know, when I'm, when I don't have much going on, I'm usually just editing a video or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I kind of, so I was going to ask sort of like how, you know, cause you, you don't want to be thinking about running kind of like 24 seven and, you know, in, in terms of actually filling your days, you know, I guess you train, then film or edit so you're actually you know you're constantly occupied through the day so I think what a lot of pro a lot of pro guys w- will likely struggle with is you know their life is overly orientated around running where you know they've kind of got like you know they they get up in the morning they run and then all they're thinking about through the day is their next run and by the same token it's like well when's when's the next session and then if you're injured and you haven't got something to replace that time it's like you know, running could be a tough sport for your head, as like as, as we all know. And if if that's all that you're thinking about, you know, like twenty four seven, it it can't be good for you. Yeah, no, I I try to we try to limit the amount of time of of run talk a day. And we did this in college too. Like, literally, it's all we do. Like your days, your running isn't a sport; it's a lifestyle. I like saying that because it's true. It's not like when you're done with your practice for the day, you're done. Cause like everything you do is surrounded, is centered around like your running, uh, you know, eating, sleeping, whatever. 
Um, so we try, like, especially here, since we're in such a cool area, like, we try to not talk about running for most of the day, you know, bang our runs out, and then that's it for the day. And then I guess when I'm editing stuff, that that's sort of run stuff. But, like, it's so much better to, like, not be obsessing over the sport because, like, it's it's so – it's so simple if you just let it be simple, you know, you don't have to let this thing consume you. And I always say, I'm absolutely always running at my best when I'm just happy and I'm having fun with it and I'm not stressed about it and thinking about it and like, you know, stalking other runners and seeing what I need to do better. Like you can't control what anyone else is going to do. It's, you know, it's, it's so uh, individualizing. Your progression may not be the same as someone else. So it's very, um, it's, it's just, it, it doesn't need to be super complex. It's at the end of the day, run fast and you get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that, uh, I guess that kind of leads quite nice into our next question, which is, it's a two part, um, question because I mean, it could be the same answer in fairness, but the first question is what, what's your favorite session that you've ever done? And, and in in second to that, what's the hardest session that you've ever you've ever been put through? Okay, so my favorite is just very standard procedure, eight by four hundred, around sixty seconds with ninety second rest. Um, I've done like several videos of me doing this workout. It's just like it's a great workout. It's a feel good day. It's it's one of those days where you're like hell yeah like i'm in good mile shape it's, it's race pace it's fun so that's for sure my favorite session and then for hardest session um it might have to be uh a workout we do it's called 200 400 200 and then you do two two sets of that and it's the first set's at like 55 pace so 55 27.5 or it's it's 27.5, 55, and then 27.5, and that's all 90-second rest. And then the second set's like 26, 52, 26. And it doesn't seem that hard because you're always going to get through it. But, like, speed sessions like that, I don't know if you guys have, you know, dabbled with that type of stuff, are so ridiculously painful when you're done that you're, you're going to throw up probably. Um Anytime you look at anything that's bright, it actually hurts your head for so long. And, like, you you just feel sick after workouts like that. So, probably that. Um, if we're going to talk about least favorite type of workouts, probably, like, tempo runs or something like that, um, where you're just, like, six miles in and you feel like crap and you have that tempo tummy type thing. And, like, you just get to a point where you're going to get dropped by someone. I hate getting dropped on tempos. But, like, those those – I hate those the most – but um, hardest would probably be that two four two workout. Those sessions are hot. Like those lightning sessions are awful. I kind of, I've got a a six by two by two hundred. So it's well two by two hundred times six, and you do two hundred flat out. You stop for forty five seconds, just dead, so that you you can't walk around and flush out any of the lactic. You just that lactic's just sat there in your legs. And then you hit the next 200 as hard as possible. It was, it, it's taken from like one of HML Garouge's sessions, which she used to do, which was the same principle where like you go flat out and then you stop dead. Your legs are in absolute turmoil. They're screaming at you. Your quads are crying. And 
then you know you hit up that next 200 and then you know two minute jog uh around the track and then and then back doing that five more times it's just it's one of those sessions where you kind of you can't really walk the next day you're walking on the warm down but it's uh fun but horrible that's a i might do that that's a really weird workout but i i like it a lot you, you're saying you literally you finish the 200 and you stand there you don't walk or anything yeah <laughs> it's so funny i want to yeah, do that now but no you definitely know what i'm talking about then like they don't seem that bad and you're going to get through it but like you're gonna rig at least a few times on that workout and it's going to be miserable and you're going to feel you're going to throw up vile or something i don't know that's that's the way i imagine it yeah, it takes it takes some pretty some pretty dark places. Like <laughs> as you'll know, like when you've got even when you've got like two fifty left in that four hundred where you're trying to hit fifty five, that's I feel like one hundred and fifty meters into that rep when you've got two fifty left, that's when you know it's just like this is this is pure pain. <laughs> yeah, this isn't fun. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, and it is. You do kind of question the sport sometimes. It's sort of like like you say, you get up at seven every day, you go to bed at ten, you go and run it kind of it, it is to a certain degree who can put themselves through more pain but yeah but you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it and of course running's full of crazy people who who seem to love it so fair fair enough and um leading on from the hardest session least favorite session that sort of stuff uh obviously your sub four is like such such a such a memorable race for you we were kind of intrigued if if there's been any other races that has really like stuck in your mind and stayed with you as, as sort of pretty influential for you or you know your favorite races that you've ever done um i would say definitely obviously the sub four was fun it was that was more of just a relief i i i, I definitely knew i was capable of breaking four for a while before that it was just kind of that mental barrier thing so that was a relief but um i guess this is kind of a fun one uh a cross-country race this fall um, it was our regional meet. I I had been having like a decent cross season, but as a middle distance runner, cross country is always a little shaky, especially the 10K. You don't, you, like I was just saying, you get to the line and it's, it's, a, it's actually a coin flip on how you're going to feel. Like I, I can't choose what's going to happen in that race. I don't know. Like I could be a hundred percent confident and not know if I'm going to have a good cross race. That's, that's just how I am in cross. I think a lot of people would agree with me. But um, I finished eighth in my regional meet this year and um, was like one of the reasons our team made nationals. And that was really special to me because I had completely choked the last two years, like me personally, and I was the reason our team hadn't made nationals. So it was such a good feeling to kind of like, uh, you know, help the team get back there and not just be running for myself. Um, so that was a very memorable race. And it was kind of like, that was sort of like, me being at peace with NCAA cross country because I never had the NCAA cross country career that I would have liked. Um, and it was so much harder than I ever could have imagined. And I'm so happy to be done with it forever, but I was happy with that race. Yeah, man. Uh, the NC, the whole NCAA cross system is like, I mean, it's carnage. Obviously cross country here is very different to you know cross country in the U S but you guys, have to run a lot faster than we do because we're kind of trawling through mud the entire time and you're like seven minute mile in for you know 40 minutes it's it's actually quite depressing over here cross country in comparison when we see you guys you know on pretty 
pretty sort of nice surfaces. Obviously, everyone's floating, but um, yeah. And obviously, wh- where did Georgetown finish in that in that national meet? We we were like twenty seventh at nationals. We bombed the next week. We didn't run great, but we were just we were like a happy to be there type of team. But um, no, I and I will say to the credit of the Europeans, like I get comments in my videos all the time saying like you guys are saying this is hard go to Europe and like run in the mud and jump over the haystacks. Like you guys like are a bunch of wimps, which is like, you know, true. Like we're running on like very low cut grass golf courses. It's, it's hardly cross country. It's just like, but at the same token, it's like go out in four thirty-five, be one, yeah. be in like 100th place and look around and, and, and know you have four miles or five miles left and tell me that that's not hard you know that's, and everyone agrees with that that's that's the thing it's just it's just a different kind of pain like yeah it's just like yeah we, we have hills and we have mud and all that sort of stuff but we're not dropping like 430s for the first we, I think we did once at Liverpool because one guy just went crazy at the start and damaged everyone but like but now nah, we the sub fives are not incredibly common in our cross country and I think I didn't race our national cross this year because um, I, I was kind of focusing on indoors and road. But Alfie, you were there, weren't you? And it was just absolutely awful. I think um, I, I was. I think I was in about second going through a K, and I must have been running five thirty-minute miling. And obviously, nationals being in second after a K at five thirty-minute miling is just sort of gives you an idea of what it's like. It was it was absolutely dreadful, and it was ten K as well. And oh my god! <laughs> there was one part. I'll I'll tag you in a video after this uh, on our channel, not on our channel, on our page. And um, you literally slow than walking speed because your your feet get sucked in, and it's like a hundred meters of probably fifteen minute miling. I'm gonna say I'm just gonna put it out like fifteen minute miling, and it's just yeah. it was disgusting, and it's I not can, a nice course. I would never imagine that that would be a thing. That that's crazy. That's, it sounds kind of fun, though. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It, it wears off after one race. If, if you're not yeah. actually too fair, in that race, I was doing terrible. So I sort of just, just ran it, and it was fine. But if, if you're actually trying to do well in that race, you're in so much pain. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous yeah. how much that hurts. I cannot imagine. <laughs> I kind of regret not being there for that one. It, it did look painful, but it looked kind of fun. And... Uh... I mean that that that's just the most typical British cross country that that you can have to to a certain degree. Wow, it's, we're just going to hop straight back into cross country as well. That's kind of painful to think about, but <laughs> oh man, yeah. you can't you cannot win them all. Um, and we got um, weirdly our most popular question for you. You know, you, you don't have to comment on this. Um, but we got like a, a, a scary amount of questions asking about um, dating life out in Boulder. And, you know, if, if that's what the people want to ask, then... then I'm for sure going to say nothing then, because I kind of like people kind of, you know, wondering what's going on. I'm going to say it's just, it's up to the viewers to decide what's going on. So I'll, I'll leave that one at that. But yeah, you know, if you're single, hit me up in the DMs. <laughs> shout out spencer brown the athlete special <laughs> slide into his dms if if you're wanting company in boulder um <laughs> but um 
And, and then another, another question that we got asked about was uh, the potential of the TAS Pro team. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say it's not, it's not, it's not, that's not in the works like immediately. I can say that if it was, I probably wouldn't say something, but it, it is in my head. And I think that there, like I've got some, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes right now, but um, being out here in Boulder, I love it. I'm running with a lot of my friends and we're making some fun content. Um, trust me, I, if I could find a way to make that work at some point in my career, um, I would love to. A lot of it's just like, you know, you got to get the funding and stuff. You got to get, um, you know, the, the proper, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, but trust me, I would, I'd love to do that. However, I don't think that that's going to be happening for some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. And then leading into the next one is, is plans with, you know, with your own brand, I guess, if, if you can sort of disclose any of that, you know, the, um, the athlete special as a brand, like what, what sort of plans have you, have you got for yourself? So, I mean, the nice thing about running to me is that, and the athlete special is that they just go hand in hand. So whatever I'm doing running wise, the athlete special is also doing at the same time. So, you know, it's pretty straightforward. I'm, I'm, not gonna bs it i'm full on you know going all in as a pro i'm gonna show the world what it takes to make it or fail but either way i'm gonna try um and in terms of the athlete special we have you know and and past running which is my brand um we've we've worked ways so i'm going to be able to do um collaboration slash partnerships with um companies in the future which is really exciting and you know i i i kind of think that it's it's so day-to-day right now that it's hard to really know what's going to happen especially being a youtuber and you guys are social media influencers as well with traxa it's just it's so fast-paced so quick that um you don't even really know what the landscape's going to look like in a year i mean a year ago today did you guys think that we'd be sitting in a global pandemic for about four or five months no so it's it's um it's very day to day with, with the, you know, way I'm working the athlete special as a brand through things. Um, currently, you know, because of COVID there's, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of delays with um, just being able to move forward with potential, you know, brands and stuff like that. But um, just know that there's a lot of cool stuff in the works and um, I, I want to keep building this thing up make it bigger than myself. I think it already kind of is getting there, but there's a long way to go. And like really my goal with the athlete special, and it's always kind of been is just to sort of like change the way that people see running and kind of like unite the running community. And like, that's the fun thing about how there's so many other social media people now working together you know we're doing this podcast um i'm doing collaborations with other runners and like the track the, the sport just needs it so that's sort of what i what i envision with the athlete special yeah definitely and, it, and it's uh it's really nice that you know in in the past you know year or two more, more and more people have been coming around and there's been a bit more of attention on on distance running and running and you know like yourself like tim man actually kind of 
making it cool, um, which I think a lot of people have struggled to do, uh, which in, in itself has probably held, held the sport back a little bit. So it's really good to see people, you know, making the content that you are making and showing that, that running is, isn't just its sort of the traditional way that it's viewed. You know, there's different ways of doing it. it, it it's real life and, and, you know, you're with your friends and you're making content that you are and it's just kind of nice to see the sport going forward rather than just being stagnant and just looking the same like it has done for year on year on year. Yeah, I know. And I, I like, like people just need to understand that like outside of our running community, literally no one cares about running. And that's just a fact, like people who don't know stuff about running literally could care less. You know, we're not selling out stadiums for meets, but I think that the sport could. And I think that um, there just needs to be more people who are showing their story, showing why running is so relatable Um, and in their own unique way. Like, I don't think that my videos are anything like Tin Man's. Theirs are a lot, probably, you know, more serious, more about the ethos of running, where I'm kind of just holding a camera and messing around, like, oh, we're going to do a workout or we're racing today. But that's, it's it's all the same stuff. Like, I'm not trying to hide what it actually is. Um, and then, you know, all the, all the other running channels out there are doing a great job as well. So I think that, I, and, I, and I think that you're going to see, a lot more social media influencer runners in the next five years. Um, and it's for sure the way of the future because it's just, it helps with marketability. It helps with, you know, just elevating the sport to the next level. And yeah, like I said, it would not surprise me if, if this running community actually takes off and we start seeing people with hundreds of thousands of followers and stuff like that. Well, so yeah, it's so good. I mean, it's great seeing what Ben Crawford's doing as well because how how quick he's grown since he started, well, like a month ago, like properly, it obviously shows that there's people who want who are wanting to see more content. Obviously, we've yeah. had people in the past sort of transition out. Obviously, Zach Levitt's sort of doing his own thing and then Ryan Trahan as well. No, I, I know. And people are filling the gaps. Yeah, and Ben Crawford, I didn't know who he was two weeks ago. He hit me up and... I checked out his channel and he's pulling in more views than me by a lot. So at the end of the day, you can either be like, ah, man, or like, Hey, this guy, let me, let me try and like work with this guy and maybe he'll elevate me as well and elevate the running community. And he's super cool. He makes really sick videos um, on his channel that are, they're pretty similar to mine, but like, once again, it's just like a different take on, on running and his are more like of like the community of like, sick college runners um that you know people just want to see people and kids at the end of the day just kids want to watch something like as long as we're just spewing out content and content and content it's 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 good it's good for the community so um it is really exciting to see how quick he's he's risen and obviously you know there's like guys like Nick Simmons who are making videos. Theirs are a little bit more for like the general running community. Um, it's not it's, it's it's not my cup of tea, but like I'm not gonna hate on it. Like he's pulling in a lot of views. He's he's getting more people to kind of care about running. But like, um, yeah, there's just so many different so many different things you can do for it, um, which is just really cool. And we're just like I keep saying, I'm like beating a dead horse, but it's social media is the future it's now five years ago no one was doing this now everyone is um and it's kind of cool to imagine where it's going to be in the next five years 
on also, yeah. obviously the YouTube front as well, who else are you like watching outside of running? Like, do you get much time to sort of sit down and watch some, I don't know, a night shift or something like that? Oh, yeah, I, I for sure do watch the night shift. That's crazy. So, yeah, I, I watch Mike Malak a little bit. I You know, people hate on Logan Paul, but he does put out banger videos here and there. David Dobrik back in the day before he stopped uploading. I'm like yeah. I'm like the most basic person on YouTube. Like I'll, I watch all the stupid stuff that everyone else does. I'll watch those like oddly satisfying videos when I'm bored as well. But like, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't have anything like crazy that I watch. And I don't watch like running content like out of this world. I'll I'll click on you know who I think is a great channel that I'm friends with. Um, Total Running Productions makes absolutely fantastic yeah, content. That crazy. He, he gets. He, he, He's a one-man army too, and he just cranks out high-level content. And he—I've had great discussions with him, and uh, he's a great reporter of running and just the history of it. And I absolutely love, you know, watching videos and kind of just learning about the sport. But um, yeah, no, that's that's another running channel that I love. But yeah, no, with with other stuff, just you know, the basics, the night shift, of course. <laughs> It's great. I like that dry humor as well. I think he's I, funny. I, I, he's he's like really I, funny. And he's from Connecticut too. Originally. Oh, he says uh, he always says the pizza is the best from Connecticut. Is that true? It, it is. New Haven, Connecticut, Pepe's pizza is for sure the best. Um, better than any New York pizza. Or... I'd like to just open back up with a quick one from uh, your current training partner, Ari. If that's all right. Okay. Yeah, he's, no problem. I don't have any context to this, so feel free to walk around it if you don't want to answer. All he said is, ask him to recount the evening of July the 4th. <laughs> um, all right, I'll, I'll keep it brief, but, um, you know, for us, that's our Independence Day. That's our, it's a day of celebration for us. Um, I don't drink that much, but um, we've been very serious here at Altitude. But, uh, you know, the altitude catches up to you a little bit when you're, uh, when you're drinking and it's a little bit drier. So, you know, I had a fun 4th of July. Probably don't remember much after 4 p.m. But, uh, you know, once in a while you got to let loose, um, especially on 4th of July. So, yeah, I just got pretty drunk. But, I mean, am I going to deny that? No, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, we did a podcast with uh, Jordan Gussman the other day. Uh, he's obviously part of Tim Man and he's an Australian runner. And some of the stuff what's on that podcast that we're releasing soon is it it's kind of shows that runners do have kind of a like hectic lifestyle outside of running for, for sure. Yeah, you throw a ton of runners into an after party. It, it's a horrible thing to witness like you, you come away with like the most harrowing stories and things that you never wanted to see ever in your life and it's like you come away knowing way more about someone than you ever wanted to know as well and it's just one of those things where it's like you know runners yeah. people don't realize it but yeah and it's i mean there's nothing there's nothing wrong with having a few drinks here and there um obviously you got to recover but like and when you're serious you're serious but like we're also runners and we're small people so you, you don't have to drink much to get pretty you know blitz or whatever so yeah definitely running after parties after like nationals and stuff like that they, those types of situations can be a little crazy but fun. yeah well well cross was probably one of the the dumbest mixes i've ever seen before it was literally just like 
four vans of <laughs> like on like on draft free drinks all night for people to sort of just go for and like it, it was so bad because also for like a lot of kids from the US who were on their team, like I'm not going to mention like any names. Obviously, the drinking age is 21. Not that it actually means that much when you're in, when you're in the US. It just means you kind of it's tougher to get into bars and stuff. But like, yeah, they really cut loose when they're out there, and it was great to see them. You know, <laughs> really cut loose. It was it was quite entertaining as well. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that's definitely a culture thing. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a dreadful mix, and like we were saying before, um, for some reason we've been finishing out the podcast with a few, a few deep little questions. Uh, we're not particularly deep people, but like, hey, let, let's give it a shot anyway. <laughs> um, and we kind of so the the first one that we have is uh, what sort of personally for you is is the best decision that you've ever made. That's a hard question to answer. The best decision I ever made. Oh, okay. The best decision I ever made was starting a YouTube channel. Boom. That's pretty easy. That's not even deep, but I, that, that's my sister. Cause she was the one who told me to start it, but I would say that was my best decision. And then continuing to make videos when literally no one cared and no one wanted to watch it. And I was just doing it cause I had fun with it. That was the best decision just to follow what made me happy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. And it's kind of, it's cool that you did just start that just because you enjoyed it and then it became the kind of entity that it is and, you know, you've got all the fans that you've got and subscribers now and it's, you know, it's it, it's a big deal and, it, and you know, it's something that people look forward to watching kind of week in, week out. And then the next question that we had, uh, always kind of a, a tough one, but uh, where do you see yourself or where do you want to be in, in 10 years' time? Uh, in 10 years from now, um, I want to probably be a transit. I, I hope I'm not just making <laughs> crappy little runner vlogs in 10 years from now, or else I definitely didn't make it. Um, <laughs> 10 years, I mean, that, that's another very hard question to answer. But 10 years from now, I want to be, you know, maybe I'm the CEO of Task Running and I'm a big multi-million dollar business owner or something like that. If not, I, I want to be in a place where um, – maybe not specifically where I'm at in 10 years, but I feel like I want this next 10 years to have been something so special that touched enough people that I was able to help change the running community for positive reasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And it's kind of obviously 10 years is a long time frame, but it's a lot of time for, even already being a big entity in, in terms of growing and getting new people into the sport and using like the name and the platform that you've got to uh to grow that even more which is which is pretty cool to think about um our next question not so deep but we we're intrigued to know what you think and that is who do you see being in the top three or winning the olympics next year in the 800 1500 and then 5k Okay, I'm probably going to be able to answer it better in the 8 and 15 just because those are more of my events um, that I follow more close. I think Donovan's going to win the 8. Um, <laughs> are you, and then second, um, Boss. Is Boss still running in the 8? Boss. Yep. And um, 
Maybe Mac Mac Luffy goes down to the eight again. He's so consistent. I I'd almost put Mac Luffy like getting second or third in the eight and the fifteen at the Olympic. He's just that. He's that guy. Um, yeah. Fifteen. Um, obviously, uh, if who's the guy who won the worlds last year? I'm sorry, I'm blanking. Chariot. I think Chariot's going to win because I think that the Kenyans have learned to not give a crap about the pressure of tactics. I think they're just going to run away with it. Um, Chariot, I feel, I just feel like they kind of are like, look, we don't, we're not the best tacticians. If we literally just run a 329, no one's going to beat us. So I think the Chariot's going to win, run like 328, 329. Oh, I'm a Jakob guy. I'm rooting for Jakob for the silver. And I don't think any – I don't know. I mean, look, like I said, if Donovan Brazier wants to hop in the 15, he's going to win the 15 too. But uh, unless it's like a fast race, of course. Throw in an American for third. Maybe Centro gets third and retires. Um, maybe Craig gets third. Maybe I get amazing and get third. <laughs> well, after 2016, anything can happen. You could you could run a 350 and win. So yeah, of course, of course, yeah. That's, and obviously 5K. Are you not you're not up to date with 5K? Sort of. Um. Let me let me think. Is is Kajelja a five guy? Is, five ten. Yeah. Yeah. I'd give I'd give one one to Kajelcha then. I'd I'd give him a win. Maybe um uh second place to to Farah in the five. Yeah. And third place do I dare say Jakob again? I mean yeah. no, I, I'm gonna say Jakob again. I, I, I hate to say it. I mean Jakob might get fourth or fifth the rest of his career just because it's like, you know, it's so ridiculously competitive at the top. But I think Jakob it wouldn't be rude to say that he could get a medal in the five as well. I think I think after his last World Champs, when you know maybe he got a little bit keen a little bit early, but I mean, as, as scary as it is with all the stuff that he's done, the dude is still young, and to a certain degree, he still needs the experience that a lot of the other guys have in terms of you know just churning out races year in year out kind of thing. And I mean, the the dude is young, so he'll, he'll probably have learned from that last World Champs and just kind of wait, yeah. wait, wait, and wait kind of thing. Um, and we, we wanted to finish off on a on a pretty bold statement kind of thing. And we, we just wanted to know if you have any words for, you know, as you are now the self, self-proclaimed self king of Boulder. We just want to know, you know, if, if, if anyone's out there trying to take that crown or, you know, jealous that you are now officially the king of Boulder, you know, what, what have you got to say to those people? I mean, look, it's at the end of the day, I came into Boulder three weeks ago and I've already claimed this city as my own. Sam, you already know that I'm your father. Um, Drew, you hunt the smoke. You can come get it uh, on the track or on mags or anything you want. uh, Anyone else who's out here, I know that there's a bunch of pretty good runners. If you guys want to take the crown, then come to the King's Castle and uh, claim it. I think that sends out you know, the message that, that you really wanted to get out there to people. And I think that just reaffirms with your attitude, you know, you are now the king of Boulder and that, that's, you know, that's not your problem anymore. You, you've got the crown. It's for someone else to take now. And, and we're officially sticking out there on the podcast as well now. So. And just uh, to, just to maybe 
create a bit more of a bit of a beef. Do you think anyone could beat you in the 800 out in Boulder at the minute? Especially in Simon Elite, 800 metres. Can anyone take you? No, no one would touch me in an 800 out there. Um, if you want the smoke, you can come to Centennial Track whenever. Just hit me up in the DMs. If I feel like responding to you, I might. But, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. If people don't get that this is, like, funny or fake or whatever, then, like, it's running. You got to take a step back. It's running at the end of the day. You got to relax. So have fun with the sport. Love the sport. Have a little friendly beef, and who cares, you know? <laughs> sure, but obviously, if anybody wants to smoke, it's uh, definitely out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on on the Tracks podcast, and thank you for uh, for sparing all the time that you have. We've we've kept you for ages. No, this was really fun. I I love doing stuff like this, and this was just great to you know talk about some some new stuff. I haven't done a podcast in a while. You smashed it. <laughs> yeah we we crushed this this was amazing <laughs> yeah more, more experience than us as well on the podcast side of things i think in fact you're actually also the self-proclaimed second best podcast in the world as well aren't you is that still a thing <laughs> behind who uh, i think you were saying logan paul at one point obviously it's joe rogan really but yeah so i i'm a massive impulsive guy for that podcast check that one out as well you want to check out some of my old podcast stuff do that maybe i'll bring that back one day but uh for now maybe tracks is uh moved into the number one spot 